Listen up. Welcome to the Louisville Urban League's weekly radio show and podcast hosted on WLLV Radio 101.9 FM and 12.40 AM. And you will also be able to find us on YouTube. Um, My name is Lyndon Pryor. I'm the Chief Engagement Officer of the Louisville Urban League and also known as The Voice from time to time. And it is an honor to welcome you all into our space um, for the first time. This is a new endeavor for the league and we are really excited about what we have going on here. We are looking forward to bringing you all um, of the issues that the league is involved in and engaged in and how we can collectively help to move our community forward. This week, um, as we get started, uh, we're going to start where where we should. Um, right at the top of the organization, we've got um, our newly minted president and CEO, Dr. Kish Kumi Price, um, who is joining us, and we are going to talk about all things education. Dr. Price, welcome. Thank you so much, Lyndon. Glad to be here. Awesome. So there is a lot um, going on really in the city across lots of different issues, across lots of different topics. And from every week, we are going to do our best to try to bring to the community what the league is engaged in, how we feel about different issues and topics um, across all of our pillars, um, which are jobs, justice, education, health, housing and black business. Um, But we're going to start in education this week because unfortunately, Uh, There is a lot of stuff happening in the realm of education, lots of things that that we really want to get to um, and things that we know that community members need to be paying attention to. And so with that, let's jump right in. Um, Last week, there was a a board meeting. JCPS had their board of education meeting. Um, It was a packed house. The league was represented by um, members of our policy team who were there. And um, the hot topic for the week now has been guns being found in schools. Um, There was a report by WDRB that has indicated that JCPS has found at least 20 weapons um, have been found in schools over the last year. And there has been concern, understandably so, among parents and teachers and students uh, about how we address this issue. And so the board uh, made a motion uh, to move towards metal detectors in middle schools and high schools. And um, also, the proposal was made for there to be a task force convened to be able to really wrestle with this issue and figure out all of the different components and how the district should move forward. We at the league issued a statement almost immediately following that around the board's recommendation. And I want to ask you to kind of talk about what we wrote, where our stance is, and, and, and where we're going to go moving forward. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say just to set the tone here at the same time that that was going on um, right before that, we had the Black History Month challenge between um, the gyms over at Grace James Academy and um, the W.E.B. Du Bois School. And so in so um, doing, it was very interesting to to witness 
the students and how they responded to having an opportunity to really um, display their intellect and to have family and friends and teachers and staff cheering them on. Um, and then I, I just had that moment because I knew we were represented in both spaces, but realizing that we put so much emphasis on problems and not a lot on solutions. And so I hope that um, not just this conversation, but the work of the league and this this opportunity to share with the community is, is solution focused. And so our position statement was really about that, saying we're not supporting uh, metal detectors as the solution. And if we go back to why this is a, a stance that we've had for quite some time is that this was birthed out of zero tolerance policies. Mm -hmm. And that came in the 1990s, right? Mm -hmm. After the Columbine massacre. And so what we witnessed is that those metal detectors were primarily put into predominantly black schools. They were used to criminalize black and brown students. And that is what we continue to see for school districts that have them. Um, one of the things that comes from that is that we haven't also reckoned with the fact that a lot of the students are bringing guns to school for their own safety. Um, we, we haven't really talked about the fact that, you know, students have, we've had a student to die on the way to school, more than one student to die on the way to school or leaving school. And so if you're not addressing the, the larger picture of safety of our kids, not just school safety, but kids feeling safe in our community and schools, um, then we're, we have the wrong focus. And so we can continue to pretend that, you know, just giving somebody a figment of uh, protection is the way, but that's, that's not it. And if we are also being clear about where we want to invest, why are we investing in, you know, measures that are more performative than actually helping to solve anything? So I want to I want to stick right there for a second. So we can clarify for the folks who are listening and, and help people to understand, I think. Part of what I think is great about this show and what will be great about this show is the fact that most of the things that black people deal with in Louisville and quite frankly, people in general. But when we're talking about the issues that the league is struggling with and, and pushing against, there's nuance there. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in this society, we don't make room for or time for nuance for how an issue is. And so just to kind of flesh out a part of this um, before we, we dig deep into it, I, the league is not saying that we don't understand why people would want to go into metal detectors, why that would not be something that people would lean towards or jump at the opportunity. We understand, and I think we wrote that in our statement, that we understand where that comes from, and we understand why for many people that makes sense. Our position simply is, is that that the implementation of metal detectors does not address root cause issues. And therefore, the we are only creating the illusion of safety, and perhaps we are creating actual safety for some students, but not the students who are actually impacted. And so what we want to get to is how do we get to a space where all of our students feel safe um, and all of our students have the opportunity to learn freely um, and without fear because we absolutely agree guns have no place 
in schools, not by adults. For those wondering, we don't believe in that either, um, and certainly not by, by, by kids who are attending. Um, and so that is an environment that we want for everybody. But we believe the best way to get there is to deal with what is at the root of why those are there. And the other thing I want to note just really quickly is, to be clear, and this is, has come from board members, we do not have a case of shootouts at the OK Corral happening in JCPS schools, right? Like, I think there is um, sometimes a, a, a tendency to want to paint with a broad brush to say, like, oh, you know, there's gun violence happening in schools, and that is not the case. And I think that is more so why we have the position that we do is because we are not seeing instances of gun violence in schools. How What we are seeing, to your point earlier, is students who may be bringing weapons um, because they fear for their own safety on the way to and from school mm-hmm. or maybe for other reasons that kids may do it to show it off or something like that because they have access to guns. But we are not seeing issues where guns are being brought to school for use in the hallways of schools. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, and part of that people. OK, so we we could have an opinion, right? That's not evidence based, mm. but that's not what we do. So the opinion is evidence-based. There's longitudinal research that supports the fact that metal detectors in schools do not deter violence. They don't prevent violence, gun violence. So what has been effective is actual searches, searching backpacks, lockers. That's more effective because there are so many issues that um, present when you have metal detectors, one of which being they may not be effective in actually detecting guns. Um, you also get into the issue of training for for who who is actually monitoring um, those detectors, right? That's that's another element. And then you look at the um, the fact that it is highly expensive to install and maintain um, metal detectors in schools, and so. It has been, I think, it, I think one of the things that we come up against quite often is people want that panacea. They want the, you know, well, this, th- if we do this, then we'll be good. And it's just not accurate. That's not what the data shows. So we have to be in a place to acknowledge that and also look at, okay, well, what does work? Absolutely. So... For us at the league, it is really getting at kind of the nuances and the details of how this happens, right? Like that is ultimately what we are always concerned about um, is the how, not just the what, um, because the what is always important, but implementation matters. And we've seen this throughout history, like how something, you know, the best policy um, can be written, but if it is implemented poorly, it is practically worthless um, or harmful at worst um, Mm -hmm. to to our community. And so how these things happen. And so I want to dig on that part of this. Um, You know, we have talked about and we internally about the task force because we we um, once we knew that that was going to be proposed you know we have ideas about what that should be who should be involved in that uh, process and then be able to move forward and so who have we talked about um, should be engaged and what should that task force be, um, be who should the task force be comprised of as well as you know what should they be looking to do 
Absolutely. And I will I will start by saying students need to be involved in this process. Um, Typically, when you have a task force, especially when it's um, initiated by the school um, district, it is it is very much centered around the school district, which means that even when you have community engagement, you don't feel like you have the, the voice or power in the room. And so what we would suggest in this instance is that um, students would be centered in this task force, that community partners would be centered in the task force, and that this will be in collaboration with um, JCPS representatives, um, specifically teachers, um, really would love to have some representation from JCTA um, to make sure that we have that voice uh, there as well in terms of, you know, if if we're moving in this vein and this is what we're, we're saying that we um, would recommend, we want to know up front what are the barriers that you would see from the teachers union. Absolutely. And so in terms of you talk about community partners, so JCTA, um, but we've talked about No More Red Dots mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. as a local organization that does violence interruption. Mm -hmm. um, and that has been a longstanding suggestion to the district to really think about violence interruption mm -hmm. in schools. Because Absolutely. we know um, that the violence that occurs in community or mm -hmm. the threat of violence that occurs in community does not simply stay there. It moves and travels exactly. with people. And mm -hmm. so having a group that is dedicated to doing that. We've mentioned Cities United, which has a national effort dedicated towards mm -hmm. um, violence prevention, particularly mm -hmm. among um, black boys and black communities, um, and that being a part of it. And so there are lots of resources that the city already has mm -hmm. right here at our fingertips. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of employing those folks and allowing them to come to the table and provide VOA. That's another one mm -hmm. um, who does the restorative justice work, because one of the other concerns we have, uh, you know, to your point about criminalizing students is how are students being treated who bring guns mm -hmm. um, and how should they be treated? And so we know anecdotally that there are students who are being removed from schools. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a concern for us because right. you are simply bringing us a gun to school to be able to um, protect yourself from home you should not be punished in a way that that removes you from the educational opportunities before you like we need to mm -hmm. be doing more to understand why you've done this and how do we keep you safe so that this isn't a measure that you take into your own hands and so there are other ways to do this mm -hmm. um, than simply removing schools which we know is going to only add to the achievement gap um, that our students currently face and can I say one more thing here um, Lyndon as you were saying that I think you think differently when you put yourself in the position of what if this was me, you know, as a student or what if this was my child? So I'm just going to hearken back to how the crack ep epidemic was treated in this country compared to opioid. And what that meant for, oh, okay, now we can think differently about how this is a mental health crisis and we need to provide support. And, you know, to me, I think that is the biggest factor, because when I hear people talking about safety in schools, it is already a criminalization of the students who have guns. Right. It's you don't even ask the question. Typically, I'm not even hearing that come up in discussion about, well, what do we think is going on with that student? Why did that student have a gun? Why did, you know, it's, it's automatically, it's a problem, they need to be removed, the gun needs to be removed. You know, it, to me, we're starting with the wrong 
questions the wrong frame. Absolutely. We're going to take a break right there, and then we're going to come back and dive into more of this. Listen up. If you want to be part of the conversation, we invite you to support the work of the Louisville Urban League by becoming a member. Yes, join the Urban League today. You can join by visiting our website at lul.org or clicking on the Join tab or contact our development team by phone at 502-585-4622 or by email at development at lul.org. And remember, we are your Louisville Urban League. I'm Moshe O'Hayan, and I'm the founder of Equitas Prep. What do we do in order to try to level the playing field, especially when it comes to high stakes kinds of elements to education, such as the standardized tests, where so much is tied to that score, whether it's acceptance to college or real scholarship dollars in, you know, in the tens of thousands. Um, so there's this real unbelievable opportunity here with the Urban League stepping up and saying, look, we see this injustice. We see that this is something that needs repair and where equity is needed. Um, we're going to create this program. We're going to provide the funding in order to really get the best kind of tutoring that exists for the ACT to the students who otherwise wouldn't be able to access it instead of getting the kinds of strategies that you typically get at public schools. And I know because not only was I a public school student, I've worked with the public schools here and elsewhere and nothing has changed in the last few decades. They still tell students, you know, the day before the test, hey, you know, why don't you make sure that you eat a good breakfast on test day and make sure you get a good night's sleep. And if you, you know, change one of your bubbles, uh, you know, when you're bubbling an answer, make sure you erase cleanly. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, right, like if I'm gonna give students strategies, it's not gonna be strategies like that. That's not really gonna move your score in any significant way. A really clever way to prepare somebody for the ACT or the SAT or any kind of standardized test is to say, okay, let's sit down. Do you see this particular question? This is a question that's shown up on the ACT for the last five years. In the last two years, the frequency of this, of this question has gone up and this is what it will look like. This is what most students, average test takers are going to pick and this is why they fall for this kind of a trap. This is what you should do instead and this is why, right? Those are real kinds of strategies and it's hard work, right? It doesn't happen overnight and the student has to practice over and over but the truth is those are real strategies that create a substantive movement in score and that's where you get real results, real a real change in life opportunities, whether that's acceptance to a dream school, getting into GSP, uh, and then being you know, having access to uh, real scholarships. So just until the end of the summer, we have this incredible program uh, that the Urban League is sponsoring after school. And it's honestly the best opportunity in town um, and I, I would jump on that uh, opportunity if, if I had it. To sign your child up for one of our intensive tutoring programs, contact the League at 502-585-4622 or visit us online at lul.org.
It's almost Derby time in the city, and we want you to mark your calendars for the Louisville Urban League's annual Derby Gala, taking place on Wednesday, May 3rd at our Norton Healthcare Sports and Learning Center. This year's theme is a love renaissance, and our musical guests will be Joe, Stokely, and Drew Hill, featuring Cisco. Tickets are now available at our website at lul.org. If you or your organization would like to become an official sponsor for this premier event, please contact our development department at 502-323-0801 or by email at development at lul.org. Um, turning now to another initiative of, of the league that we have through our work um, with the Path Forward, which folks, you can um, learn more about a path um, by visiting the Louisville Urban League website, um, an initiative that set out in, in 2020. But through that work, particularly around education, uh, we started an intensive tutoring program um, in an effort to be able to close the opportunity gap that exists uh, among our students in schools. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that initiative and where it is and, and where we're headed with that work? Absolutely. So we have opportunities for students K through 12 to receive support um, through a couple of avenues. So our efforts around uh, Kumon will actually provide the opportunity for students to get that support um, without having to pay the cost that families typically have to um, incur for their child to participate. So we're providing that for free. They get to go to Kumon, get the intensive tutoring. And if I, sh I should clarify this, this is not homework help. This is actually identifying gaps in student learning. And a lot of our students have it, whether we know it or not. Um, one of the things that is being addressed now, um, you know, students may change schools in the middle of the year or um, have three schools that they attend in, in one school year. And there's a lot of loss there because everybody's not learning the same thing at the same time. And a lot of people don't know that, but that's that has been the case for quite some time. And um, we're shifting now, I understand. But because of that, we already have learning gaps built into the system. On top of that, when you have students that are out for elongated periods of time because of sickness or um, whatever issues they may have that are keeping them from getting to school, chronic absenteeism, um, all the things, it, it really does play a part in them having these large, widening academic gaps. And um, you layer on top of that the pandemic, which caused even more of a, a divide. And so what we saw as you looked at the, the scores um, across the board, uh, national assessments, there was a sharp decline for black and brown students. And the students who were already struggling pre-pandemic were struggling even more after the pandemic. And so um, the gap widened even more. And so this is something I think that we need to understand and just to give perspective. If we were talking about math scores, Black students at 15 points um, lower than pre-pandemic times as compared to white peers losing five points. That's a big difference in why and what is that about? Well, a lot of parents, white parents, were able to provide those tutoring components for their children throughout the pandemic, um, where a lot of uh, black students did not receive those kind of supports. 
And then you layer on top of that, what we're not talking about is that it was the pandemic and seeing all of the social injustices that occurred against black people and not really students really not having a lot of opportunity to process that in a safe and healthy space. So all of that um, compound, um, those compound issues played a part. And so Kumon uh, tutoring provides that opportunity for students to get caught up. And then we also have Equitas Prep providing support for students to get prepared for the ACT, which is a, um, a huge opportunity. That's about a $3,000 value for students. And so we're trying to advertise this as to students as a $3,000 scholarship. You know, you're getting this opportunity um, to, to access uh, a resource that a lot of our, our kids just don't have the opportunity to, to access. And there are people, and um, you'll probably hear this commercial either before this clip or after, um, with uh, Equitas Prep sharing just why this is important and why we see such disparities um, when we talk about how our kids are receiving um, these extra supports. And so I just want to lift up a few things there for, for the audience. First and foremost, this is free um, for, free, JCPS, for free, free. <laughs> JCPS students, uh, K through 12. This is free tutoring assistance um, that the league is paying for, in addition to additional supports, that because we know um, that there may be issues for, for folks to be able to access um, the services, you know, transportation and other barriers, we are helping with that as well. So this is completely free. Um, and then also just to, to say, you know, one of the ways in which I've talked about this in community is that academic progress is not the same as academic proficiency. Um, and that being an important thing for folks to remember that we are not um, just because your student uh, passed and moved on to the next grade does not necessarily mean that they are where they need to be. Um, and so don't look at that as, as the end-all, be-all for whether or not your student is doing well. Um, these resources are here to ensure that they are where they exactly where they need to be um, in terms of their academic standing. So, and can, can I add one more thing, Lyndon? So even with this, uh, you know, when we say ACT prep, it's not even just about that test. It's about ensuring that your your kids have what they need when they go off into the next phase, whether that's college, career, or both, right? Because some of these gaps need to be identified. And where else do you have that kind of support for somebody to be able to target? This is where you're missing it, and we're going to help to get you caught up to speed. Because what we're also seeing is a lot of our students are going off to college and then having to take remedial courses because they don't have what they need. And we don't want that to be an indictment on our kids because it's not their fault. And so, you know, how do, how do we respond to that? Tap into these resources. As you said, they are free. And our kid, the way the kids are responding to this, I mean, it's just really beautiful to see the, the testimonies that we're hearing from kids and from parents. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I said that. Absolutely. And so with that, I think we are about at time and there is so much more that we can do. Um, this was part one for us in terms of education. And so we'll probably come back next week with more.
education topics, and we'll do more of this in the future. Thank you, Dr. Price, for joining us on the inaugural um, edition of Listen Up. Uh, this has been awesome. I think this is going to be a great ride. Thank you to everyone who has joined us, continue to join us every week um, from 12 p.m. to 1230 on WLLV uh, 101.9 FM or 1240 AM. And again, you can always catch us at any time um, on YouTube. Just hit us up if you need any services, um, resources across the areas of jobs, justice, education, health, and housing. Please seek out the Louisville Urban League. You can find us at 1535 West Broadway here in Louisville, Kentucky, or you can call us or visit us online at lul.org. Thank you all for joining us. This has been fun and looking forward to doing it again next week.